I couldn't get past love your enemies this week. Which led to my sermon title, This Can Never Work. Can it? You know, I was reflecting on the years that I spent in seminary learning a lot about history and history of Christianity and other religions and learning all this theology, Christology, ecclesiology, eschatology, all these big words. Christology is just the study of Jesus Christ. And ecclesiology is the study of what it means to be the church. And eschatology, the study of where it's all ending up in the end of this. Learning in seminary all about pastoral ministry and biblical studies and reading how to how the Bible was originally written and different ways to approach it and understand it. And learning how to teach some of this stuff and how to put it into a sermon and all the how-tos. Um, I've given many sermons over the years and I've been inspired, maybe you have, by many really great preaching experiences that I've seen out there and, and what people can do. And now, now, when I really want to go for my fix, um, I have all these podcasts of sermons from different churches that I can listen to. Mostly, I like to listen to other ones in the United Church of Christ, but I have at least 40 of them that I subscribe to. Now, I'm not crazy enough to listen to them all every week. Um, the last time I actually did that was right after the whole Charlottesville thing. I wanted to see how everyone was handling that. Um, you know, but all of this studying and preparation and all of this energy going into uh, preaching sermons all pointed to understanding how it is we fit in the story from creation to salvation. What our role is in the world and what we can do. and We find out it's all very complicated. I know my life story is complicated. Um, from the larger narrative that makes up my biography uh, to the subtle streams that run through me, through my family story and, and what it is that leads me to make commitments but the things that are also like addictions that it's like, why do I keep doing that over and over and over again? Even though I don't want to. We look up from our struggles and we see a tragic world out there, don't we? It seems spiraling out of control with lots of power and abuse all around, domination and a lot of tribalism, different groups pitting themselves against other groups, slavery and sex trafficking and drugs and racial and prejudices of all kinds, all kinds of imagery between people based on um, historical grievances sometimes that go back hundreds and hundreds, sometimes thousands of years. 
could go on for hours on the tortured reality of our world and of so many of us in the inside, in our hearts, in our minds, in our very spirits. And in the context of this, from all the stuff I learned in seminary, from all the sermons we hear, and every time we go back to the texts in scripture, we always come back to the same answer. It just seems so simple, but so complicated. It has something to do with love. And then all the problems of the world, all the problems in our lives, they could just go away. We become more united as human beings. You know, when you think about it, love is like a fuel in a way. Um, When we really have that love inside of us, it powers us to do so much. But we also know that this fuel can get contaminated. And we think it's love and it's something else. And that has to often do with complicated histories in our families and in our world. We know that without love, we see it everywhere. Um, When it's not there at all, it's just disaster. One problem and one disaster right after another. They say to live, we need water. We need food. We need certain other services such as basic health care. We need enough shelter and housing for our protection. But more than anything, we just cannot survive without love. Without being loved. We learn when we come to church, when we go on a spiritual journey, we learn that we are unconditionally loved. And yet we know, we know we don't really believe it yet. It's not possible. We sometimes learn things better from how our family system was and what it taught us than from the story of God's covenant and God's unconditional love with and for us. So now where does this loving of enemies fit in? I mean, love's complicated enough, right? So where does loving of enemies fit in? Jesus says, listen, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. He goes on with lots of specifics about what this could look like for us. So, the first thing we need to understand if we're going to look at loving our enemies is what does that word actually mean? Um, Do you have any enemies? I tend to define it broadly. I think an enemy 
to me um, isn't just somebody who drives me to one extreme of I do everything I can not to hate that person or not to be infuriated by that person or to avoid that person. But I think the other spectrum of enemy begins with those who we're in tension with, those who have done things to us that we carry within ourselves that know, we know has made us damaged in some way from little to big and we haven't forgiven them. We know it's there. Going back to the family stuff, sometimes that's things that happen within our family systems. But it could be encounters we've had with people in churches, in organizations, just anywhere in the community. It could be the person who does something that seems very mean, even out on the road. So I tend to define this loving your enemy broadly. An enemy is all of those people who, maybe put it this way, if you ask me in the moment, okay, I know God loves them, but I can't imagine it. It's really hard for me to see that. How, what does God see in them? You know? Anybody I feel any inkling that way towards, that's an enemy. And Jesus says, love your enemies. Once we do our own work, maybe it will become more possible. But does it even seem like a practical solution to you to anything in this world? I mean, bring it on a bigger scale for a second. Um, so, the United States has an enemy, North Korea. We're about to have a second summit, the presidents of the two countries. They're our enemy. Would loving our enemy in negotiations help us make progress? And what would that look like? Or would it just make us look weak? Who wants to look weak? See, it's not really a solution to anything, is it? Loving your enemies? What's going to happen? We're going to get walked over if we love our enemies. Soon, in a week and a half, we'll be starting the Lenten season. And it's a time when we go right back to the very roots of who we are in our creation and we do some reflection about our understanding of ourselves and our understanding of God and how we can authentically move forward toward God, toward what God has created us to be. We all want love, right? We all want it. Um, you, 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 if you're a musician, you can't get on the hit charts if you don't sing about love. We all want it. Everybody wants it. 
you know. But what we learn, what we will learn if we are willing to enter into the Lenten season, is the only way to have more love is to go and deal with the wounds that are inside of ourselves. Every single one of those wounds inside of ourselves have something to do with love, the lack of love, the betrayal of love, the expectations around love, the false understandings that maybe we have about what love really is. Every single one of the wounds that we have inside of us have something to do with that. And as long as those wounds are not being healed, as long as we haven't found some way to work to heal those wounds, we will never feel deserving of the unconditional love of God. And if we don't feel deserving of the unconditional love of God, then first of all, yes, the wounds will never go away. Because that's part of the healing process. But also, we'll never be able to love the way Jesus calls us to love. We'll never be able to get to this ultimate of loving our enemies. Loving those who in some way we view as having either wounded us or wounded others who we care about. We'll never get to this. And we'll continue to perpetuate the cycle that keeps us away from God's dream and God's vision for us. I wrote a little note on the side of my notes here for today because I, I was chuckling. I haven't really done one of these sermons that gotten me in trouble for a while. But you, you all, many of you know that... Um, I can sometimes get in trouble because uh, I don't come to church for politics. And that was too political, that sermon. Well, most of my pastor friends hear this once in a while, if not all the time. And, um, you know, I think it's actually more threatening to talk about loving our enemies. To talk about this very, very personal stuff than it is to to talk about the political stuff, what we need to do to solve poverty or to embrace immigrants the way God would or, you know, to have justice for all people so that there isn't prejudice in our world. In some ways, while that stuff is really important to talk about and it gets us in conflict with partisan politics, it's so much easier to talk about that than to talk about what it is that has wounded us, is keeping us back from accepting the full tank of fuel of God's love in our life that will then empower us to have our wounds healed. It will then empower us to love our enemies because you know what happens? When we really allow the healing of our own wounds to happen, we realize that no matter what anybody else is doing, they are so much just like us. We are all wounded. 
we all lack feeling we're deserving of unconditional love. And we all, at some level or another, out of our woundedness, play games with other people, hold back, and in a sense cause other wounds because we're wounded. Jesus wants us to see that when we're able to reach out and love our enemies, we're really reaching inside and touching our true selves. So, loving your enemies might be one of the hardest things to preach about. I think one of the one of the other hard things to preach about is, uh, you've heard me talk about it before, is Acts chapter 2, where it talks about in true community, we just share everything that you individually own according to need, and we don't worry about who owns it, you know, like your house, you know, things like that. That one does, That's a tough one to preach, but this is a tough one to preach, because it's so personal. It exposes all of us. You know, nobody wants to say out loud, no, I don't believe in loving our enemies. <laughs> of course, loving your enemies is a good thing. But how many of us have committed our lives to being on the journey so that we have the capability of loving our enemies? No, it's way too risky. i got to face so much stuff to get to that point to be positioned to love my enemies. It's even going to get harder because when I start loving my enemies, I'm going to get ridiculed even by my friends. How can you do that? This person keeps abusing you and you're loving them. Because the other complication about loving is loving our enemies doesn't mean taking all healthy boundaries away and letting somebody just run over us and abuse us or something like that. It doesn't mean that. But we don't understand what it means because we haven't dealt with our own woundedness yet. We haven't received that full love yet. That love we don't believe we deserve. Once we do, all of this will become clear and we're able to love others and love our enemies and keep healthy boundaries. It doesn't become a weakness, it becomes a strength. And is that not what we're going to learn during the Lenten season? As we travel those 40 days and we go through Holy Week and Good Friday and Easter Sundays, we're not going to get to Easter Sunday if we don't go on that journey. And part of that journey is going to take us through Good Friday. So this is maybe about the biggest challenge we could meet. Embracing the idea of loving our enemies. And then figuring out practically what do I have to do to take the steps towards being able to do that. We have to do that together. What can we do as a church to help each other do that? You know, we do live in a context here in Colville where, as we all know, we're this like, unique Christian church in Colville. And without even knowing us, we hear other people just because they know what we stand on a certain issue or relationship or something. And we hear things that they say about us. 
Doesn't that make you mad? They don't even know you when they do that. You know? Okay, to me they're my enemies because they don't know me and I'm mad. As soon as I'm mad, as soon as I feel the tension, how do I love them? How do we love them? Well, we don't love them by becoming something else by just, you know, saying, well, okay, we'll just agree with you on everything. But how do we do that? How do we figure out how to get from here to there? Because I know what I tend to do. I tend to avoid being in the presence of people who are going to make those judgments upon me or my church without really knowing me or my church. Does that help? I don't think it's a case where distance makes the heart grow fonder. So, my only hope today is not that we're going to have all the answers, but that from this, each of us is willing to make a commitment to seriously try to use this Lenten season time to make some progress towards loving our enemies, which means make some progress towards receiving God's unconditional love in our life, healing our woundedness, and helping others to heal their woundedness as well. May God bless us on this vitally important journey.